Welcome to Amplify. Music there from Jen Kirby, her awake. And Jen is one of several musicians you'll hear in this, the final episode of the series. This is episode 47. I'm joined once again by Yvonne Ferguson, CMC director. Hi, Yvonne. Hi, Jonathan. How's it going? So this is the final episode of the current series of Amplify. We'll be breaking for the summer. And I know it's a cliche to say, but it really has been an extraordinary year so far with many, many challenges for artists. Absolutely, Jonathan. You know, as we moved from the end of 2020 to 2021, there was so much uncertainty and absolutely incredibly difficult to plan anything. But, you know, as the months went on, there were some really strong beacons within the new music community that brought us from the winter into spring and summer. And I think perhaps New Music Dublin at the end of April became a very important focus for the community with so many new commissions from composers and a chance for our very talented and committed performers of contemporary music to be showcased. And I suppose most importantly, it was a chance for composers and performers to be in the room together again for rehearsal and performances. And you know, Jonathan, it was a very enjoyable weekend for us on the CMC team, wasn't it? Linking with musicians on the podcast and with over 100 people um, through our networking programme, New Music Dublin Exchange. And, you know, interesting over the last few months as well, the announcement of the plan for a pilot for a universal basic income for artists. That strong commitment from the minister. It's a very interesting development from the pandemic and one which we'll watch with interest as we move from 2021 to 2022. So for this, the last episode of the podcast, we thought we'd ask some of the composers and musicians, a few of which we'd had as previous guests on the podcast, to collect some audio reflections on the past year, as well as looking ahead to the future. And I think it's fair to say, Yvonne, that what we got back from the composers is a really interesting insight into how they have managed during the last 15 months or so. Yeah, absolutely, Jonathan. It's been so interesting to hear these different perspectives on the last 15 months. And there's so much colour in these responses, very human and the it's uh, so interesting to hear the insights of different artists and listening through to these reflections, Jonathan, I'm struck by the incredible resilience of composers and performers, as no doubt you were too, and of how they're always searching and being innovative, exploring new ideas and finding new directions. And so many of the new music community have responded to the issues that we've all faced during the pandemic in such a creative way. And from all of us at CMC, I want to say sincere thanks to all the performers and composers who contributed to this episode with their very personal reflections. And thanks too to all who have contributed to Amplify throughout the series. It's been a huge privilege for us in CMC to be able to share your artistic life with the Amplify listener. So let's hear now from composers Roger Doyle and Judith Ring. Pianist Isabel O'Connell and composers John McLaughlin, Frank Corcoran 
Amri O'Farrell and Jen Kirby. Today is the 18th of June 2021. I'm reminded of the fact that on the 18th of June 1975, I released my first vinyl record, Oizono, 46 years ago. Can you believe it? Creatively, it's been a very good time for me, but all time is a good time for me, creatively. I am a dates person. So the 10th of June, for instance, 2019, was when I began my second electronic opera called iGirl. And since the 10th of June, 2019, I've composed four hours of music. Not only composed, but composed and recorded to a professional standard. I thought the output would reduce as the years uh, went on, but the opposite has happened. I'm composing more than ever. Over the years, over the decades, I used to compose six hours per decade. So that gives you some idea. I do find it easy to compose. Uh, Switch on the computer and the laying on of hands, you know, I can't really think of stuff in my head. I have to switch everything on and start playing and experimenting. And the software really invites me. The software says, come on, try this. You never know. You never know what's going to come out of this. And and that's generally uh, how I operate. I never really know what's going to come out the other end, but I really love uh, the experimentation. The main thing that helped me get through the year was the company of my wife, of my wife Mary. She's uh, uh, such great company and uh, so supportive. And I don't think I could have managed this uh, to stay sane uh, without her. Of course, I stay sane by composing music. That's the other thing. If I stopped composing, I think you would uh, find a, a rather different uh, Roger. Plans, yes, I have a plan. I have a... Finnegan's Wake plan. I have chosen very specific extracts from Finnegan's Wake and I've handed those uh, textual extracts out to um, three or four well-known actors. And the plan is that uh, I will compose music of bits that really speak to me from Finnegan's Wake. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, That one will be a more complicated one, I would say. I give myself a year to do that one. Renewed appreciation for music? No, I don't think so. I, I think the appreciation for music is diminishing all the time and, and the status of composers is, is, is diminishing. Uh, it's hard to find uh, proper outlets, uh, p- proper intelligent uh, reviewers, pr- proper articles on, on uh, contemporary music. Live performance was never a big thing with me. I'm quite happy to work in the studio and and that frees me up, really. I'm not depending on others uh, except for the singers or um, actors who I record or who send me their recordings. So that that frees me up. I'm not optimistic about the future. 
I brought out the iGirl double CD, double album, finding it really hard to get it reviewed. Um, Lyric FM have been a great support that they broadcast the whole thing. But I, I employed a PR company to try and get some reviews, some airplay, some radio play in Great Britain and Europe. Uh, it's hard going. Uh, we've lost our audience largely. That's the big secret. We've lost our we've lost our audience. My name's Judith Ring. I guess some of the challenges for me have been getting my head in the right space to create. It's been really difficult to to do that uh, at various times in the past uh, year and three months or however many months it's been. It did get better towards the last half a year or so. I think the beginning was just really, really difficult because none of us knew what was going on or how things were going to pan out. And uh, my mind was just full of other things. So it was completely impossible to sit down and concentrate on being creative I did have a couple of commissions to work on, which was really nice. A piece for the Guinness Choir that should be premiered next year and a piece for Dermot Dunn for accordion and electronics and a piece for Lena Andonovska for Music Network. And these did keep me busy from time to time and were very, very, very nice pieces to be working on. It's been an interesting time to reflect on my work. I've learned in the last few years not to take my work so seriously. And what I mean by that is that I don't really care what people expect me to write anymore in some ways. I really want to write what I want to write. And I'm very happy with what what's coming out. And I guess that's another stage in, in, in a composer's career is to become more confident in your own voice. thing about this last year is I've been focusing a lot on the cello. I have a set of cello pieces that are going to be released on a CD very soon. Martin Johnson played a cello suite that I wrote for him. I've also been practicing myself with him as my teacher. I've been playing the cello on and off for quite a number of years but there's always been massive gaps between lessons and practice sessions so the pandemic has given me the time and space to really really kind of focus my practice. looking forward to working on some new projects now. I've been recently awarded an Arts Council bursary to work on my performance act. I've been doing solo vocal and electronics sets over the last few years and um, I now have the chance to sit down and really kind of work stuff out and develop something stronger and more creatively interesting. I think there's going to be a renewed 
enthusiasm for music of any, every genre, to be honest. I think people are just going to be really hungry for live performance. So I'm really optimistic about how things are going to progress in terms of live music uh, and people getting back on the stage. So here's to the future. <laughs> I'm pianist Isabel O'Connell and I'm here in New York where the arrival of summer uh, is bringing back a return to normal as restrictions are lifted here. Um, About 70% of adults have received at least their first vaccine. But I think there's still a lot to process from the past 15 months. Some anxieties remain knowing that the pandemic is far from over in other places. And I think we need a period of readjustment uh, to get used to normal life again and feel comfortable being in close proximity to others once more. I think when things first shut down in March 2020, I went through several stages and emotional states. The first was survival, figuring out how to get by day to day, buying masks and sanitizer, ordering the groceries online and figuring out almost overnight how to use new software so that uh, teaching could move online. As time went by, the sense of loss and grief set in. All plans, all concerts cancelled or postponed indefinitely. I was supposed to have my wedding last summer, another disappointment. So many plans were laid to waste. But I think one of the hardest things was finding myself so far from home. The word home is a dual meaning for me. I think of home as where I live currently, in this case New York. But there is also the home of where I am from, and that will always be Dublin, Ireland. With the pandemic, I realised just how much I'd taken for granted over the years, being able to travel back and forth on transatlantic flights, often five or six times a year for concerts, to see family for holidays. Suddenly, not being able to get back to Ireland for more than a year, it really messed with my Irish identity in a way. Not being able to do live concerts as a pianist also affected my identity as a performer. And I think the pandemic year really made me question what I was doing and then come to a realization of what an integral part performing is to who I am. The lack of an end date for COVID made it so hard to plan ahead and this seriously affected my motivation to practice. I found myself instead doing a lot of sight reading and exploring new repertoires. The focus of my playing eventually turned to making recordings, first from the limited confines of my living room and the out-of-tune piano. And then eventually I got back to professional recording spaces. I'm so grateful to have had these recording projects as a way to keep working with various composers. When I was finally able to step into a room with other musicians again, it was an incredibly emotional experience. I remember one such occasion doing a recording and seeing people I hadn't seen in a year in person. And afterwards, I just had to go for a walk in Central Park and shed a few tears. I was just so overcome. In April of this year, I was finally vaccinated and able to spend some time back in Ireland. In April, I performed at New Music Dublin in a series of live streamed concerts, Evelana Group. And before going on stage, I remember feeling like one of those wind up toys fully wound up with a year's worth of adrenaline and energy ready to unleash. I've missed all aspects of the live concert experience, the live audience, the act of making music music with other musicians, listening to each other and playing together, but also attending live concerts 
and running into friends and colleagues by accident in the audience and going to socialise afterwards. I don't think I'm alone in missing this live experience and I think there is a renewed appreciation for it. We certainly need it as humans, as inherently social beings. One of the silver linings of Zoom life online has been the ability to give workshops and lectures and uh, to speak on panels from afar without having to travel. Some of these opportunities simply wouldn't have been possible if I'd had to travel in person. So I was able to give a presentation to students in in Arizona and to speak with uh, presenters in Europe and, you know, uh, present at a conference with people tuning in from around the world. I hope some element of this stays with us going forward. So in the months ahead, I'm looking forward to being able to plan once more to look into the future and come up with new ideas and new creative projects and partnerships. Being a composer in Ireland, it's like being a plant in extremely flinty soil. What I'm getting at, if it's not too melodramatic, is that for creative artists, the long-term planning and the tendency for plans and projects to be delayed and to fall through and to be cancelled, that's not just during a pandemic. That is, in fact, endemic to our existence. This last 12 to 15 months saw me have two commissions and the release of a CD. But I've been working towards getting that CD to happen for four or five years. And the first of those commissions got the green light before the pandemic. So the time structure of the compositional career is in large blocks that are longer than the kind of 15 months we've had so far. Although, of course, we're not out of it. And uh, I might have a different reflection in, in, in given further time. The lockdown in many people's experience had several phases, obviously when it was fresh people reacted immediately. In my own case, I did find it easy to sit down and create 12 electroacoustic miniatures, and I did it rapidly. In some respects, I was a bit more relaxed about the artistic quality of those, because I saw them as sketches towards this commission. And I went on from there to do another thing where I placed together 20 short piano pieces, making a, a set uh, of 25 minutes in total. It was all started by Rolf Hind actually calling for these things on uh, Facebook. So I wrote a couple of those and then I also thought, well, let's put together one or two things. There are scraps or short pieces that I'd written that didn't have a home. So I brought in about four of those and wrote about 16 and I ended up with 20. together an idea for um, doing a composer collaboration with the clarinetist Paul Rowe and uh, he was very interested 
as, as was I, in a collaborative uh, composition where we would talk together and consult together. And of course, all of that was to be done over Zoom, which is not something we probably would have thought of in that way before the pandemic. So there's an example of the, the, the pandemic changing the practice. And so there's no doubt that uh, many musicians have changed their practice. So we've all got better microphones to enhance the musical quality of communicating through Zoom. That is, professional musicians have. So technology and the way we work is clearly impacted in terms of the future and the potential for working in different ways in the future. Uh, whether we actually welcome that kind of uh, thing into our lives is another question. I would much rather be in the same room uh, for communication where you can read people's expressions better and all the rest of it, you know. The other thing that I would note is that the pandemic has uh, rammed home the lack of uh, intelligent discourse in the public sphere. I was very struck by the lack of culture on our national airwaves and the fact that there wasn't a turning towards culture in the more mainstream public discourse. It's just a terrible pity that the public discourse and the political planning in this country are mired in just talking about pubs, the GAA, well, sport. I mean, I don't want to single anything out. Nobody seized the opportunity to say, well, what's important? Uh, what can we do? You know, can we look at culture again as a means of bringing the country together? No, we have just carried on being rapaciously and repugnantly materialistic. And the whole discourse has been narrow and devoid of values, as far as I'm concerned. Well, at the beginning of last year, the, the COVID year, I uh, went into a deep slump, I suppose, like a lot of people. A uh, lot of uh, depression and fear. I couldn't think music. I certainly couldn't compose. And uh, I couldn't keep my thoughts together. So what did I do? I had to get some kind of a survival strategy quick and a bit of mental training. I mean, that I've had this before. But I began then to write sonnets. A sonnet in the morning keeps the depression away and a sonnet in the evening. So I did about two every day. I may give you a couple of lines of a very high kind of uh, highfalutin stuff. It's a sonnet from the beginning of last year, from the beginning of that COVID year, and it might sum up something. The calm before the surge, Godot was fading fast. I wanted one last chance. Amazing. But how? What maths? Which pile of numbers high will prove to me that also I must die? I read Godot's lips. Beware your common sense. We're dealing here with only future tense. He was gone. 
I paled. I wet myself in fear. He had laughed at all that I had ever held dear. Statistics clear, they ploughed the way ahead. How many infected would dearly love a bed? But common sense. The less is better said. They're building more outhouses for more dead. I read. I brooded. I smelled with future dread for Tom and Dick and Harry, as I said. So a very high-class falutin uh, <laughs> sonnetish fun there. It kept the head free. And then I got bits of good luck, you know. I had already begun uh, bits of my cannons and queeners. I have even the old uh, famine Irish song, Salo Grua, in there somewhere, little bits of that. And it's funny enough, it's about sadness, deep sadness. And then I got a commission from Hard Rain in Belfast, and, you know, as the year picked up, or as my mind began to pick up through hard work, it was very difficult. And then I produced mobiles and melodies. There I used something I hadn't used since the 70s at all, bits of, of the old Corcoran uh, uh, macro counterpoint, little bits of mobiles, uh, where there are polytemporal passages, and you get a lovely floating kind of uh, texture with little bits of air coming into it and out of it again. And then I, I worked on uh, my I work for New York in two years' time, I hope, for a string orchestra. So you can see I was busy, 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 middle of the year, slowly coming to grips with some of the ground rules of the, the COVID. <laughs> Verlag Neue Musik in Berlin, uh, the music publisher, they decided to take on all my immortal works and pumps, uh, which was great. And um, and so they are producing all kinds of bits of Frank Corcoran and, uh, uh, from today and yesterday and so on. But at the end, I had to write for them a, a foreword, some kind of a, a bit of a thing about, about my work and so on. And of course, a composer's uh, texts are always very uh, very suspicious they're they're probably all always lying a bit but uh, let me give you a little bit of what i what i cooked up for them then so here we go what does all this add up to in a world which has never before experienced such an immense ocean of musical rubbish as we have today the aesthetic challenge remains there is an ethics of composing any Corcoran composition aims to become a closed piece of creative imagination, enfolding, welding, polishing itself. It has to be a world of its own. Good art conceals so much. There really is no room for the vacuous, the pretentious, or bloated. And then comes my last wonderful sentence. Stringency is all. I mean, I like, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so I think we're on an upswing now, I think. Uh, I hope. 
I'm Anne Rio Farrell and I'm a composer and a harpist. And in relation to some of the challenges that we've faced during the pandemic, a big one is not hearing live players. I've really missed live concerts and I've also missed the the random bumping into people that happens before and after concerts, which is just delightful. And you can talk and share experiences about what you've just heard or what you're up to. I have always had lots of oscillation between different kinds of work and activity. And then during lockdown, I think it was especially helpful to maybe work towards a composition deadline and then practice for filming for a concert and to have some things on the front burner and others on the back burner and just keep moving them around. The experiences of how we've managed to continue working has made me more open than I was before to hybrid models of working, especially in teaching and in learning and in administration type of things like meeting with colleagues and designing projects and that kind of thing. You can do a lot uh, on online and meeting remotely. Some of the things I found helpful during the year, not all related to music, nature, I found a big help, even though sometimes our walks were, were very limited. Living with one of my daughters, so I was very blessed not to be alone in the house. And that was that was really tremendously sustaining and enriching. Through the pandemic, then the varieties of prayer and worship formats became very diverse. And I really enjoyed that and being able to hear any kinds of speakers and to experience worship in different parts of the world. I've been very fortunate with work throughout the pandemic. So that's been a huge sustaining factor. I've been really, really uh, fortunate with with commissions um, for my composition. Uh, And something else I've really enjoyed um, is the CMC Composer Coffee Chats on Friday mornings. I haven't been able to get to them all, but I was always so glad of them whenever I did. Uh, just really nurturing to appreciate the diversity that goes on in the composing community and to have more contact with Irish composers not living in Ireland. And we covered topics that were, were really wide ranging. I was just really, really enriching to hear what people have to say. I think after the pandemic, there will be a renewed appreciation for music and for live performance. And in relation to my being more optimistic or less so for the future of new music now than before the pandemic, I'd say neither really. I think some of the struggles remain. And I think perhaps the pandemic has given us a chance to look at how are things for the arts community generally. And this, of course, applies to the new music community as well. So I think it's been a reminder to non-musicians how essential the arts are for the human spirit. And the development of a universal basic income scheme is, is really welcome. So I would think next up is looking at subsidised workspaces for artists. And I think if the arts are to survive in Ireland, there needs to be a holistic look at the use of town and city properties. There needs to be a tax on vacant properties. I think various governments have been dragging their heels on that and on vacant sites. And there needs to be protection against profit making models of accommodation and workspaces. 
A lot of young people I know in the arts are either considering emigrating or have already emigrated. And others I know are leaving the arts rather than leaving the country. So while there are some really great schemes up and running at the moment, and they're so welcome and funding application schemes, which are terrific, I'm wondering about people looking at entering the arts. And I think there are a lot of conversations there still to be had. So working as a composer over the past year has felt quite special, actually, in some ways. I think I've had to adopt new methodologies, which can be really exciting and can also be really terrifying because it sometimes feels like I've never done this before because I'm doing things in new ways. Um, and I've suddenly forgotten how I've ever done this in the past. So that's definitely uh, felt like a real challenge, but also really exciting to work as a composer, I think, uh, for me recently. Working as a musician then has kind of been quite a different experience. I guess it's it's really different for, for different people, but I felt it quite strange uh, to perform online and to stream from my home. And that, that kind of feeling, I think, has changed kind of over time. Just having a space where you can musically uh, be together, I think, has been really valuable. I've probably thought about being a composer in in or a musician in the past as in very different ways other than practical ways. So I've thought about it in terms of kind of my own practice and what it means uh, and what I'm trying to achieve. Um, so really kind of more in kind of conceptual and maybe even philosophical terms rather than focusing on the practical. One thing that I have done through that kind of thinking is kind of embrace the variety within my own practice. So I've reached out to, to work with people on small projects just for fun. And I don't think I would have done that before. It wouldn't really, I think, have felt appropriate to get in touch with saying with people to work on projects for fun. Um, but so being able to do things for no other reason than just to do it, I think has been, has really felt quite a, like a liberating thing for me to be able to share that with other people and to do things with other people that has no other purpose. When I different practice I guess that I've taken up is to learn about kind of 3D printing and design and when I realised then that I could design and print my own musical instruments and explore that kind of acoustically or integrate it with sensors for electronic music it's kind of all of a sudden seems really obvious <laughs> that I should have been doing that already and I wondered like why how didn't I, I think of this before uh, but that's that's felt like a really interesting avenue that I can kind of tack on to the to the different things that I do uh, and explore in different ways. So I really like jumping from one thing to the other. And I have really enjoyed doing that over over the past year, uh, that one practice can become a break from another practice. Another thing that has had a huge impact, I suppose, on my musical life is beginning to learn uh, the violin as part of 
Music Network's Grade One-a-thon, the violin very quickly became a big part of, of just my day. And I found it really good to be able to, if you're dealing with, you know, Zoom fatigue from meeting after meeting, even if you've got like two minutes in between something, to be able to play something for a minute and my whole body and mind just goes to a different place uh, for even a short amount of time was a, like was actually a really, really good break. Uh, for me. So I, I really found that really interesting. Um, I loved learning that. Uh, I I was less <laughs> excited about doing an exam. Um, but but I think it was yeah, a really great experience. And I had a fantastic teacher to kind of guide me on that journey. So it was really interesting to have this separate journey and to be able to share that with a teacher, actually. So you're not doing it in isolation. I'm still making music in some ways and discussing music uh, with someone on a weekly basis. some ways I kind of hope to be a bit more ambitious I hope to be a bit more daring uh, and I hope to push myself and learn more but more than anything I just want to get into a space and listen Jan Kirby's Arlene Solo Ending this sequence of audio reflections from Roger Doyle, Judith Ring, Isabel O'Connell, John McLaughlin, Frank Corcoran, Amory O'Farrell and Jen Kirby. Our thanks to all the contributors for sending these to us. That's all for this episode. As we mentioned, we're going to be taking a short break from the podcast, but we will be back in September with new episodes. Until then, thanks for listening and enjoy the summer. <laughs>